0: 空が
1: Carol Sanford, Carol Sanford's here and, and I almost don't even know who she is. This is an unlikely connection that's been spawned by some other unlikely connection. I've got some mutual acquaintance. I think I did something for the Capital Institute or something like that. And then yeah. like, yeah, I'm not very good, um, Carol, at, at uh, I'm not very good at knocking back pushy people. And, and somebody was very pushy about insisting that I talk to you. Yeah, and you know, and Me it's too, it's, it's so side. good to see you. I look at your, uh, I, I I see your face online, and, and I feel really intimidated. You're all there, and you're <laughs> at you're at you're at Stanford and Harvard, and you've got like ten book, not like ten books, five six books, six. and um, you know, you're uh, you know, a thought leader. And then I see the word contrarian there, and I think, oh my god, is she starting up a university in Texas with Barry Weiss or what's going on? All these pink flags. And then I see you pop up on a Zoom screen and you're just lovely. I'm like, ah, how you going, Artie? Breath. <laughs> and yeah, it just feel a nice, warm feeling straight away. Um, so, you know, we don't know where this conversation is going to go or even what it's going to be about. But I do love the titles of your book.
0: Oh, good. Which one?
1: Well, I just I, I like the story of all the books oh, lining okay. up like uh, the way the um. <laughs> the, the way the titles sort of progress from you know responsible business you know right. to like ah uh, stuff it <laughs>
0: well like it, I had to fight it my starts poetry. going through
1: responsible business responsible right. entrepreneur and then it starts to go well, nah, regenerative business and you know regenerative life indirect work my favorite one is no more feedback and I really want to yeah. I I really want to dip into that because um, okay. It's a, it's something I hate more than anything. So we can talk about something we hate, but um, I don't know. Maybe we should kick off with something we love. Um, where are you? Where are uh, I?
0: I am in a retirement home in the states on the west coast, adjacent to a natural wildlife preserve and wildlife corridor.
1: So hang on, are you visiting there, or did someone put you out to pasture?
0: Put me out. Well, I put myself out to pasture because I fell a couple of times. And I thought, you know, we don't live in the kind of world my grandmother moved uh, moved in, yeah. where you got people around you. I think I'll go get people around me. My mind still works fine, but I want people to pick me up when I fall.
1: That's it. Yeah. Do you, I, I can't see, but do you currently have a blanket over your knees?
0: <laughs> Please tell me that you've got it. To- <laughs> Not at the moment, but often. <laughs> often, that's not a bad uh, uh, reflection. I have a walker. Hey, that. there we go. But I still have a mind that is inquisitive and determined and trying to prove itself. So, you know, I'm, there's no one needs to feel sorry for me. Not at yeah, all.
1: Yeah, yeah. W- women's minds seem to last longer than, than men's. We tend to have micro no. micro strokes from about 55 onwards. There's a theory that, how that that's how midlife you? crisis work. I'm 50. Yeah,
0: how old are you?
1: I'm 50. I'm 50, okay. which like is old for some people. But, you know, when I'm talking to you, it's like, you know, our email exchange yeah. Yeah. in trying to oh, like, what's it been a month trying to get set up a date? And I kind of almost like, I don't know, like, you know, the, <laughs> I, I felt like you wanted to type, you know, Young man, do you know who I am?
0: (laughs) Well, I don't. (laughs) Because I was like like sending back very dismissive responses for a long time. People know who I am. That's why I said I'm not a big fan of introductions that talk about quote accomplishments. And truth be told, Mm. I think a lot of my life has been proving to my father that I wasn't as stupid as he kept telling me I was. I thought about writing a memoir that says, I am too smart. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I, am I think I finally smart. quit trying to prove that. All right. So why did you write a book?
1: Ah, uh, that's 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 old news. I, I basically. Well,
0: I, I, give me two sentences, because I don't know you. Yeah, well, I read I read the forward, so I know. Yeah, that same one.
1: one. Look, yeah, I I just um, and I, I mean I've only done one book. You've done like eight. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I crashed my car, and um, right. And I, okay. I needed to buy a new car, and someone offered me five thousand dollar advance for a book, so yeah. I, I, I banged one out. Great. Yeah, because you know, and that, that was good. So I got the five grand. I bought bought a new, well, used car, and then off we went. Uh, still able to commute to work. Good. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So I have had a question that I wanted to ask you since I first read your book. And it's not about why you wrote the book. It's from my life. Would Mm -hmm. you indulge me for a moment?
1: Yeah, um, of course.
0: Um, You don't know, likely, that I had a grandfather who was part Mohawk, which is in the States, part of the Iroquois nation. Mm -hmm. And he lived in a... uh, what they called an Indian reservation. He called it a confab, or what did he call it? Not confab, but uh, it was more like a pen, which <clears throat> is, they kept in. And he, <clears throat> he left, his father left when he was young, but he was a part, he was my maternal grandfather. Uh, and I got to be with him a lot from the time I was about eight till 18 when he died. And there was one thing, that I hold dear and still, and I'm wondering if it's part of your life uh, of way of growing up, which was he he taught me that I always had to connect with the whole of something, mm. never what, never the part, never my fragmentation, that I had no right to engage or be with anything that i couldn't see as a whole and we had many ways of determining what that was he raised pigs he was a farmer uh he educated people and some of that but i'm wondering if that concept i could feel it in your book but it was never said mm-hmm. and i'm and i may not even be saying it well enough for you to relate to it but i immediately thought what would tyson say about you have to start with and stay with when you're with a person or a life shed. It is a whole. Does that have meaning for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I um, I think I said it indirectly. I Did that indirectly? I think you did the,
0: say it indirectly. Because,
1: and it was mostly because I know it. Look, the whole gestalt thing, that holes to parts thing. That's um.
0: Yeah.
1: And I have like you know I don't know I think a decade ago was the last time I wrote something about that. Um, and that was in my thesis, um, uh. you know, so um, yeah, it's just, it's just a bit of a, it's just a bit of a dead clue. You know, there's only so many times you can use an idea until it's like, it just runs out of yeah. juice. <laughs> it just ran what out of juice.
0: You it. I yeah, mean, yeah. I, I learned this when I was an eight and it's never died. in
1: me. Mm, mm. Well, I, I kind of, I don't know. I was trying to, so I guess when I was writing about that over a decade ago, it was looking at um, looking at at how you work from from a holster part. So how how knowledge works, how we um, how we find knowledge, how we learn things. So I was looking at this idea of you know every time you learn something in Aboriginal culture, you you sort of see the the whole process first. Yeah. Yeah, and then okay. so and then you focus on different parts of that until you get right down to, you know, so if it's a big dance that goes for hours, you see the whole thing first, you watch that a few times, and then you see different parts of the dance. Eventually you are just down to like, okay, I'm learning this step. I'm watching that. I'm going to replicate that. And then you, uh, you just build up from that again. So the idea is, you know, you, you don't attempt the process until, you know, you have mastery of it. Um, you know um so yeah it was around that kind of thing and just that i know what people that the h word that's also lost juice that holistic thing you know it's you you um you see the entirety of the thing so that you know it you know as a system as a as an entity in and of itself and you connect with it that way and um you know rather than learning your abcs and then, you know, building your, your way up to re, right. writing a novel, it's like, no, nah, it doesn't work like that.
0: <laughs> well, that's similar. It's a little <clears> different, but uh, it's helpful to know your view. Uh, my well, I'll add one thing and then I'll let go of this because I think it probably for you doesn't feel fresh enough, uh, and which I can understand, keep, keeping things fresh and keeping ourselves uh, extended, which It's was not about
1: it? fresh. It's just about people misusing things over and over until they lose their meaning.
0: I agree with that. You
1: know, like the word contrarian, when you say it, that means one thing. But people are using that in a different way now. And Contrarian actually wow. means there's a satanic group of pedophiles in the government, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and we're going to expose wow. them. And put the real president back. You know, that's what contrarian. Right, mean,
0: right. You know, you know? Well, my grandfather called me a contrarian, but he called me a positive contrarian. Right. And he's what he meant. At least I think. You know, is I realized how many years ago he died. Now it's astounding, right? Uh, Sixty-five years ago, almost. Um, but what he meant was, I saw the world differently, and I needed to. Make sure when I gave that to people in in a view or in a comment that I did it in a way that it wasn't about them. It was about being able to shift how you saw things. And I was offering, he said, it's almost like, and I studied at Keto years later, it's like you give people a chance to recover something they sh- do know, shouldn't know, may not have known, mm-hmm. but you're an instrument for that. So you're not trying to, uh, like when I wrote No More Feedback, I'm not trying to tell anybody they're wrong about it, but I'm saying if you hold that worldview, that you need to tell others how to be, how to work, what not to do, what they're like, what you see, if you hold that view, you're gonna miss the opportunity you're really after, which is to be with a person and to be with them in a way they can see themselves better. So, the contrarian is not about you or me or anybody being wrong, but re-looking at an idea from a different world view. Hopefully, people Perfect. borrow that. that.
1: <laughs> that abductive, abductive logic, abductive reasoning. It's What's it? abductive. You know how they have inductive and deductive reasoning. Oh, okay. It's that one that nobody talks about that. Abductive, which is pretty much what you just said. Yeah. It's just not a good word to use because abduct is like, it's a bit of a. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's that, another one. A,
1: so it's good. It's got a built in mechanism to stop people from overusing it and ruining it at that one.
0: <laughs> You're right.
1: It pre ruined. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Right.
1: So, yeah, well, I guess we both do that. We like, um, we apply lenses where they don't belong see some things that well, are people aren't seeing and you're doing you've done that with entrepreneurship with business with investing all kinds of things up
0: and that's what keeps me alive it's going and looking at and saying i don't know this thing i think i do and i've projected something onto it hmm. how is it that when i breathe I, i'm removing some kind of veil and I became aware of this when I was a young child because I, I was punished by being put in a closet for long hours uh, by my father who wanted me to be as racist as he was. And he feared I'd be unsafe in the world because I, I, I you know, was getting too close to people who were frightening. And so his way of breaking me was to put me in a closet for many, many hours, sometimes six or eight hours.
1: Well, that's that's, you know, one, that's one way to kill the Indian and the child, I guess.
0: Yeah, but yeah. it didn't. I mean, I am terrible claustrophobic. It did that. But the other thing it did is made me ask different kinds of questions. Like, why does he see the world differently than I do? How did mm. he get to seeing it like that? Mm. Why can't I see what he sees? Why can't he get me to do that? And could I get him to see what I'm seeing? Mm. and that was the question i started with in the closet and it's been my whole life how you get and think yours
1: <laughs> yeah yeah uh, how to how to come out of the closet with your questions
0: yeah yeah mm. Mm. yeah
1: Jeez. well i'm um, that's 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 one kind of feedback <laughs> Yeah. Strangely enough, it's um, it's not that much more toxic than um, than the feedback you get in your standard workplace. Am I right? And all these feedback workshops, of you know, teaching how to do it properly, and you know, they put the little sugar coating on it. Oh, they're awesome. Like, you tell you something, and you know, uh, you're doing really well with this. Right. You know, hey, that's great, and then boom, you, you really suck at this. Oh, okay, great. Um. Yeah, feedback. And they shouldn't use that word feedback in that sense. See, to me, feedback is like, you know, a, a, like a feedback loop, you know, yeah. where there's informatics in a system. It's not being mediated through somebody's KPIs and,
0: and <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, um, yeah. it's actually feedback, real life feedback in the system. You know, you know informatics where it from. That you have to respond to that has cause and effect relations that loop back right. around again, you know?
0: You yeah. have no choice. The way feedback works, it's a,
1: exactly. a governor
0: on something that, when it's triggered, it shuts. Its intention yeah. is to shut something down.
1: So, it's how do you control metaphor. a system? How do you yeah. control a system? Is that you, yeah. you, you hijack the feedback
0: <laughs> feedback
1: yeah. Me- yeah. mechanisms of that natural system? And um, yeah, so that, that's that's where I want to go with the yarn. I'm pretty fascinated with that.
0: Go, go there.
1: I just, well, not me personally, I want you to go there.
0: Okay. Um, well, you gotta,
1: yeah.
0: let me tell you what book number seven is, which I'm working on. The sixth one just came out. It's when in the early 20th century, we changed the course of uh, approach uh, by adopting the behaviorist theory. And behaviorism believes... Yeah that no one can see themselves. There's no consciousness. You have to have something outside tell you, and it now pervades parenting, education, all of business, the military. I could, I could go on and on, oh, it's, and, and, and I'm going yeah, to- Yeah,
1: it's the psychology of fascism, and it never oh, went away.
0: Yeah. And the fact, because of the timing, we were going into the Industrial Revolution, uh, war was about to happen The you know, World War I. And p- people were moving off the land into cities and including there was a mass migration off our Native American rev- reservations into cities and off of across the border. And people were lost. They The world they didn't know how to adapt it. And John Watson, who created behaviorism boy, he wasn't the only one but he was the popularizer mm. and framer mm. said hey guys we can make a lot of money for our university we could get grants if we teach people how to control people mm. behaviorism will tell us how to do that mm. they sold it to the military we can test people tell if they'll be good leaders they sold it to schools and in my newest book i'm telling a story about how i got subjected to it uh, right. In public school, uh, and it'll it'll be in the book. And the whole thing is that psychologists, the behaviors particularly, took over every institution, every domain, and made people think it's normal they can't mm. see themselves mm. as they see something outside. And now even you know, when I wrote no more feedback, the most often question or comment I got was, but if I don't have other people tell me, I, I can't see myself, I have to have others tell me. I said, so you don't have any consciousness. Well, I don't know what you mean by that, but I believe I need, and the greatest things I ever learned about me, they were from other people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. Because it means it's hidden. We, the, the behaviors have hidden our own ability to be introspective. They pull, They broke out of the department of philosophy, which still believes in introspection in 1903. And then they went to work on convincing everyone, you can't see yourself. You need outside people. You need traditional positivist research. So something objective decides and then you'll have the truth. Mm-hmm. That's my new newest book. And no mm. more feedback, it's one tiny shred mm. of
1: that. Mm. Yeah, you can see that progression coming through. I just I, I just really like it. I like the yeah, I like the flow of those logics. Um yeah. there's the behaviorism, it's just it, it's yeah, it it sort of needs to be. I mean, it's generally understood to have been a, a pseudoscience, but there's still a lot of true believers. It's kind of a pseudoscience yeah. that came out of other pseudosciences like yeah Eugen- Eugen- it's very eugenics inspired
0: it was the um, same people
1: very master I'm so race very... you
0: know that yeah the... yeah but
1: very much this idea of you know that hierarchies are natural and some people are you know better than others and and, and like, sort of you know naturally you know more predisposed to rule and that everybody else needs to accept their place and you know that lower lower humans are like animals and respond to you know, stimulus and response, and uh, you know, <laughs> rewards and punishments, positive and negative. What they call it? Yep. Feedback. Yep. Feedback. Right. You know, feedback. That's where feedback come um, came right out of right out of behaviorism. So every time yeah. we still do it now. I know they try and couch it in all these flowery language, but really they might as well just be poking you with a stick or offering you a biscuit or something. You know?
0: Yeah. That's a metaphor for what they're doing
1: for yeah.
0: sure. Yeah. Put people with a stick so that you know which direction to go.
1: Yeah. And then they limit our whole frame. They go, well, you know, so I don't know. So what what, what kind of a leader? Are you? Do you go more with carrot or more with stick kind of thing? And as usual, right. it's this limiting continuum of like left and right. Though, <laughs> You know, um, they like, say, oh, are you going to like offer more carrot or are you going to use more stick? And it's like, well... How about I get your carrot and your stick, (laughs) Yeah, put it where it belongs, which is, you know, out the window on the ground. Um, Because, yeah, neither of those things. Thank you very much. I'm not a mule.
0: (laughs) Right. Or a rat in a maze.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I
0: don't don't want your freaking cheese. Right.
1: Cheese is not my food.
0: (laughs) Well, I would tell people it's the perfect psychology if you manage rats because you're learning the truth about how to manage i'm not even sure that's true when i say it but it's all based on the study of things in a maze
1: yeah yeah but i mean i don't know you can learn more learn, learn more about rats by like you know hunting them and trying to coexist with them especially when the yeah. system's out of balance And you see how things, you know, how things work when they're out of balance. You know, I I got an uncle who had, he just had the most rat infested house in town, you know, (laughs) at this house. And you could go around there and you'd see them just running out in in their dozens, just any time of the day or night. You could see them just prancing around (laughs) out from underneath the house and just all over the yard, just horrendous there, you know. And why were they all going to that place? It's not like his place was more dirty than any others or anything like that. They had their own business going on there, those rats. And there were imbalances and problems. And, you know, so, um, you know, if you're not burning, you're not burning the grass right up to the edge of town, for example, and, you know, things are out of balance. If you've got a a whole heap of things going on where, you know, it's that season where, the smoke is supposed to be bringing in the crows and the brown hawks, and those crows and brown hawks aren't coming in. Right. And you know that sparrow hawk, that the sparrow hawk is not doing is not coming in because it's it's had to go somewhere else. Um, and you know, I don't know you. Um, a, a really important lady who that's her totem has passed away uh, wrongfully and. <laughs> And before our time and things are out of balance there with that. And that, that hawk, that sparrow, hawk's not doing its thing there. And then all rats are going, (laughs) you know, the rats Ah, will go wrong and the grass seeds will fall and they won't uh, germinate the right way. And, you know, everything's going to go wrong and you see things out of balance there. And then everything, uh, all these rats coming around this house where, uh, where things are going wrong there too. (laughs) You know, you watch those rats. And then, but then the kids know what to do because your kids have got Shanghais, right? And the kids are bullseyeing those rats. <laughs> and then you watch them chase those rats down and, and uh, bullseye those. And, um, you know, uh, you bullseye a few of your own and you get to know <laughs> uh, what, what those rats are all about.
0: We have untaught people how to do what you just did. Yeah. Where- what you were doing is describing a system working yeah how it works when it's imbalanced and if you don't know that you tend to go after the rats directly Mm. and remove it
1: from the system put it in a maze
0: remove it from the system and which now will imbalance something else that you said and uh the capacity to image things working. What you were doing is imaging. I could see your eyes, what you could see all of it at work and you were seeing, oh, then that connects there. And if I don't hang on to all the way out into the forest, not just up where the grass is, but we we take knowledge and we dissect it like a frog. And then we give people the knowledge about rats from the maze where they're isolated, not in the ecosystem. Yeah. My work, I feel like I do poorly. Uh, when my grandfather would have done much better. I think you would do better, is try to give people back that capacity to image things that work in what I call a value adding process. Everything's seeking to add its value to the system at work. And only when we um, outsiders or we make ourselves outsiders, does the imbalance happen? Well, we can't see we did it.
1: That's it. But you know that there's um there's a view from there's a view from inside the maze. And you know, that's what people aren't recognizing is that the, you know, the octopus that you lock in a tank and and prod, prod with electrodes and stuff to try and figure out, you know, where exactly is the mind of this thing? How how is its brain working? How is this distributed cognition happening? Yeah. And then you uh, you take off and you know go home <laughs> sleep, but that octopus doesn't sleep. He, he, he jailbreaks out of that tank and goes all over that lab messing things up. <laughs> hey, you know, it, people, that must have been so disturbing for the first time to consider maybe these test subjects have actual consciousnesses of their own, yeah. and that they're seeing more than the walls of the cage that we put them in. Maybe they're seeing more beyond the bars of the cage and they're actually seeing more, you know, maybe there's a sense, they have a sense of what's beyond this building as well. So, you know, but we're all rats in that cage. We're all the girl locked in the closet. We're all the girl in the closet. Our minds don't stay there in the dark. You know, we go out and we ask questions. What's he doing? why is, well, he, doing, why is he doing this yeah yeah
0: yeah
1: yeah can't break it can't kill it in us we're not rats you can't even kill it in a rat
0: no you can't even kill it in a rat yeah uh,
1: Labrador's agency think...
0: do we by the way we oh, okay here's here's an idea i'm playing with for this new book um We can create conditions. There's a woman named Hannah Rand, who's a German philosopher who lived in a, had to be, was confined to a concentration camp. And she was paying attention to this question. While I am confined and I'm being seen as a, a rat, basically an animal in the cage, she was conceiving of what was affecting the people who held her in the cage and what was going on. She came up with a theory that I'm playing with a great deal right now, which is if people, if you can get people to no longer believe that they can interpret their own experience, this behaviorist idea, right? They don't believe, they can't anymore. You have the first important step to taking away their capacity to at least access that consciousness because you don't trust it anymore. And then what you can do is introduce them to people who will tell them what's going on and they do it over and over and over. And pretty soon they begin to believe it because they don't trust themselves. And then they're able to be submerged in an ideology of somebody else's making. And I feel like that's happening in democracies everywhere right now. So. I believe what you say is true that all that is there, but is there? Uh, I mean, I haven't personally experienced it, but I watch people be subjected to what you were describing earlier about conspiracies and accepting other people's word. And what I'm seeing, maybe, is because they don't trust themselves, they're very susceptible to other people's ideas and eventually their ideologies. And then they get locked inside of some ideologue's worldview. Well, that, that's just out?
1: that's just the other side of the coin of fascism. Okay.
0: All
1: right. So on the on that one side, there's that overt, direct control. But then on the other side, there's that that indirect control that sort of came out of Freud's work and his nephew, and you know, um, yeah, finding those ways to. Um, to sort of give people the illusion of agency and to yeah. ma- maximize their sort of, well, to and, and actually inflate their sense of agency beyond what it is, rather than mm-hmm. being somebody who's cooperative, you know, within, within a group, yeah. within a system, within a community, you start to inflate that. And that's where you How start you to see, it? start to see in the 80s and 90s, the positive psychologies emerging, irrational, emotive therapy, your choice theory, reality therapy, um, and you see the uh, positive psychology. That uh, positive thinking was invented by Donald Trump's uh, pastor, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it was the the guy, the head of his the church that Donald Trump Trump went to, his mentor, invented that positive psychology, and it was that hyper individualistic. With your thoughts, you make the world. If you keep thinking positively, no matter what the feedback that you're getting from the system, you ignore that. You ignore the informatics of your reality and you keep denying that and you keep doubling down, doubling down, doubling down. And your iron positive will, will bend the world to your, to what you want around you, you know? So, and, and, and that's right the way through the new age movement and everything else you know, they take like Buddhist ideas, like with our thoughts, we make the world and and just oh, hyper individualize and <laughs> um, that to the point where it has the same effect as the carrot and stick, you know, in terms of it breaks down relatedness, you know, in communities, it breaks down social cohesion, it destroys systems and makes them more malleable, um, more simple like less complex and therefore more predictable is, is the goal. But no, that's not how it works. You know, it doesn't result in an invisible hand that moves everything, you know, in perfect and predictable ways at all. It, um, you know, people behave irrationally, especially large groups of people because there still is something else. We live in systems and those systems try to reassert themselves and reassert the agency of the whole not just of the parts. So they're the two sides of the coins of fascism. There's that, there's that complete control, but then there's the hyper individualism, which gives each person the illusion of control. And, but also it's there to um, encourage people to accept abuse and accept oppression, wow. because it says no matter what's happening to you, you know, no matter how much your freedom is limited, you know, it's only about how you perceive it. It's all up to you. You always have agency as to how you're going to respond to this trauma, how you're going to respond to this oppression. So you have all of these, um, you know, major sort of movements and psychologies that sort of press people towards, you know, this self-help. You're responsible. You create your reality. No matter what's happening to you, no matter how much you're beaten or locked up or shot or anything else. It's how you choose to see it. And, you know, if you keep being Morgan Freeman positive about it, everything will turn out fine. And if it doesn't turn out fine, well, that's a result of your negative thoughts. You weren't thinking positively enough, so you got breast cancer and you didn't end up with a spontaneous remission. You ended up with a pretty horrible outcome. You know, anyway, that's how all that works. I see that as fascist as well. I just see that as neo-fascism is kind of more like that. But it's really just a transitional thing where they hope to get back to the old school one with the the sticks and carrots and more stick than carrot you know it's it's pretty it's pretty horrendous and this is this is what all the um this is what all the conspiracy theories do they give people an illusion of agency that they're out there researching individually to find you know these evil doers but that's how that's what they always do fascists always take people who've been traumatized Alienated, marginalized—you know—but they prefer to have veterans and militia groups and stuff doing this, and then they they get the, give them that illusion of agency to spin their own propaganda and and to keep uh, embellishing it and building on it. You know, and they they allow those disaffected people to do all the heavy lifting for them in their coups. Um, you know, and <laughs> and off it yeah. goes off it goes from there. It's it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty standard historical stuff. Mussolini did the same freaking thing, and you know, and off it goes and off it goes and off it goes. And usually they'll choose a couple of marginalized groups or minorities uh, that they can deflect, you know, the the actual horrors that oligarchs, you know, the, the powerful who actually want the fascism, the actual horrors that they're perpetrating, you know, on the society, they can project that onto these minority groups and say, no, 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 it's them. They've, they're the ones who are doing it. They're the ones who are planning it. And so they turn the people who've been most damaged and most disaffected and most dispossessed, they turn their anger towards that minority and then off they go. Um, you know, and that's just what fascism does. And it's, um, it's a horrible little pattern. And it's, it's very much, it's metastasizing in the world right now. And uh, yeah. as you probably know.
0: <laughs> well, I see everything as you say. You gave me a way to explain a couple of things. and hadn't been figuring out where to put them. But mostly you made me want to know this is the positive contrarian. It's, so what do we do about this, Tyson? What, what is our role? What is our work for people to be able to, to see what you just saw? And how do we engage with, with humans who we're really talking about here in a way they have the way to see what's really working. I always felt like that's what my grandfather was trying to teach me. How it works, how it comes together. My pigs are my friend as we walk along a creek and they go for a walk with us. Um, And I I am struggling and I'm 80 years old shortly. And I still feel like I got it when I was eight from my grandfather, I saw it all, I got Overwhelmed by it. I had to go through a bunch of other trauma and learned it a few times. I want my work to be done in a way that gives people the capacity to do what you just did without having to feel like they're beating anybody up, but certainly can say it in a way, but build their capacity to do that. Do you work on trying to help other people see what you can see? And if so, how?
1: It's well, you know, I'm not interested in individuals, I'm not interested in people's big bigotry or fixing up their language. I, I don't, I don't believe that the world's problems are based on like, you know, Oh, it's just human nature to destroy right. everything, and and I don't think that we can fix you know each individual node by, right. through cu- cultural right. awareness training that. or you know reprogramming in some way because right. that's behaviorism again. So right. I'm not not interested in giving people feedback about oh. their language and about their attitudes right. in the hope that if I get enough followers, then I can change enough people to have a critical mass that will, in the aggregate you know, tweak this failing, disgusting, evil system. A few tweaks so it feels a bit more fair and that somehow that's going to change the world. You know, there's no really meaningful change to be had within the system that we're in. So for me, I don't do that. I I don't critique. I agree. So I don't give individuals feedback, but I talk about systems. I talk about healthy systems, unhealthy systems, and I talk about what's going on in the systems around me. Some people take that personally. (laughs) So I talk about the system and they go, but my grandfather worked his fingers to the... All right, right, Right. man. I don't know why you're talking about your grandfather, but that's good. Um, good. Who was he? I didn't know your grandfather. I'm not talking about him. I'm just talking about the interest rate. So I don't know what the hell... (laughs) Anyway, so some people like that. Some people can hear the system stuff. And you know what? It's not my business to try and change people around to look at the system. no
0: or, or anything else
1: it. and you asked before what's the solution and what, what would i do it's like well what i do is i i listen to old people you know um i listen to elders who still have their eyes open yeah.
0: you know
1: uh, who've had their eyes open all uh throughout yeah. and still have their eyes open because they sort of see the pattern better than better than i do so that's my that's my solution is just to um listen to those elders uh which is why i'm talking to you so oh. don't ask me for a solution. i come here. Yeah, well,
0: <laughs> but I have a question because one thing I'm skeptical about that you said, um, which is talking is not living. And the way we really change is from lived experience we can reflect on. And I can't reflect on your lived experience. And so I, I am moved and it reminds me of my lived experience. And so yeah, I keep going back to my grandfather. And once while I go back to my father, who was an evil, overwhelmingly evil human by most people's definition, he never had a way to experience anything different. He wouldn't have been, and so I know not everybody's gonna hear you. I know that and some people almost you'd say almost the choir is gonna hear you, but we can't, I believe, break the pattern by just the talking do you there i I, I believe there's something about living mm. and experiencing or am I making that up mm.
1: yeah well, and it it's funny because you know acting individually is not is not a thing that works but then acting in big sort of mobs and collectives of thousands of people that doesn't work either but it's uh, no. you know it's no, it's I, I don't it know through. look it's another tired idea but it's that it's that localism thing for me you know you it's <laughs> you know you work in your um you work in your neighborhood family community yeah. um that's where you work but at the same time uh, it's a bit like drying yourself when you get out of the shower, but trying to dry yourself from the feet up, you know, your hair is still wet and it's dripping. So you also need to look further afield, but you need to see the systems and structures and you talk to people uh, inquiringly and with this abductive logic that you and I use. And through that, you find the leverage points. You find leverage points they're structurally not, you know, and the leverage points aren't in hearts and minds of people. Right. So no. stop doing the propaganda, right. stop exactly. doing the, you know, the, the bloody self-help or the anything else, you know, there are systemic and structural leverage points where if you yeah. can find that little place to put that needle, um, you know, there, yeah. there's a, there's a lot that can happen.
0: I call yeah. it nodal point. So there's a node, and you use an acupuncture metaphor without naming it.
1: Nice. But
0: that that acupuncture point is what I try and understand. And For me, it's giving people the capacity to see how their own mind is creating the stories they have, and the collectives doing that, and creating a social construct, and then they don't even see that the construct they've created is creating the challenge they have, and but if people are in community they have a chance of i think coming to see that it's very hard for individuals impossible uh and so everything you just said makes sense to me it's beyond the talking it's being with community uh and together we have a chance
1: that's it so for example in our lab right now you know we're we're looking at um You know, the nexus sort of we're trying to find that point, you know, between a whole heap of different problems, like global systemic problems, you know, refugees, climate refugees, homelessness, um, you know, um, climate crisis, not climate change, climate crisis, (laughs) uh, changing weather events, and you know, massive floods that have happened on our East Coast recently, uh, you know, bushfires. So we're looking at all of these things. And, um, you know, what the, the point that we come to in the end is um, is sedentarism. So the whole idea of communities with permanent fixed infrastructure that are sedentary. And so you know um, one of our longitudinal sort of project over the next 10 years will be um, will be looking at how do you design a healthy itinerant community? Ah. So we've That's- reframed, so we're saying there's not a homelessness problem, there's a landlessness problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, You know, the homeless, uh, oh, most okay. homeless people would, won't do well in a home if you just give them a, like a house kind of thing, you right. know? And a lot of so our population, Aboriginal people, for example, you know, like my community up north we're very itinerant and move around from community to community, you know, and sometimes for years, you know, away and just, you know, we're moving around. We might stay in one. Like we'll go for a funeral and we end up staying there for two years. And then we're at the next community. You know, we have like these networks. You just go around. Um, So anyway, you know, traditionally we have these sort of uh, seasonal estates. People call us nomads. Like we're just wandering around randomly. But you don't. You have, you know, you have land and you stay in different areas on that land. And you know, travel out for different activities that are seasonal. You know, like you you eat these foods at this time of year, and that's what grows on that part of the land. You know, and you're able to manage it that way. But then also the place where your community's been staying, when that moves on to the next one, uh, then that camp gets to rest. That land rests from you. You don't leave that footprint. You don't leave your foot there. You know, in that place, you move your foot over there. So that footprint, you know, ends up uh, not impacting too much into the world. So you know um, that and the whole adaptive thing that we're going to need to have mobile communities because you know permanent infrastructure in place doesn't do well in you know earthquakes and meteorite strikes and and tsunamis yeah. and you know tornadoes and bushfires and plagues and you know, all these kinds of things, you know, massive centres like that don't tend to work too well, but people distributed communities distributed out where, you know, your community is looking after a large tract of land and moving, um, moving the village around, you know, in that place. Um, And it's different in different places. Some places people might be following herds or whatever, you know, different pastures, but that's what you do. you, it's like crop rotation, but community rotation kind of thing, <laughs> you know. So anyway, we're just working on how that would work as a, um, you know, what, what people call intentional communities, which there are, that's big business at the moment. Like lots of people around the world are doing a lot of research around that. And, um, you know, it's a bit of a sort of almost an industry. Uh, now intentional oh. communities, etc. people trying to find the right, ways, in it, and it's so multidisciplinary, it's governance, it's economics, it's psychology, it's education, it's everything, you know, it's ecology, it's, it's agriculture, it's technology, it's everything you can imagine, every discipline coming together under that. So anyway, that was such a long way to say all that. But that's kind of, that's kind of how we do it. So we find those sort of nexus points of many disciplines and many problems. And it's like, okay, so there. Um, And then, there are problems with, you know, like how do you finance that then, and how do you finance that ethically? So then we have to uh, make part industry partners with impact investing firms, uh, regenerative investment business people, which is partly why I wanted to talk to you as well to sort of get some insights there, and um, you know, and tap into foundations and things to actually start growing and designing, uh, you know, these communities. And you know nothing will happen for a while, you know. But eventually, when 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 stuff happens, when tsunamis happens, when everything else happens, and these are the only communities that are working and are healthy and thriving, then you know that's when um, you know things will be taken up. So you're not proselytizing to anybody. You're not trying to coerce anybody. You're not PR talking yourself up. Um, you're not trying to convert anybody's ideas or change their ideology. Uh, You're just identifying an area that, you know, you can work on and, and, you know, um, draw a few threads together and, and get some resources going that way. And then boom, stuff happens.
0: You said something that took my mind off to an, almost like a meta level of what you were talking about. Because, I love listening to people like, what are they saying across all this? And you several times talked about a lab of our research, figuring out. And you're obviously not using any traditional research methods. And yet you're trying to understand something, how it works. And um, one of the problems I'm having in this new book I'm trying to write, I'm, I wanted things from you too, right? <laughs> um which is, what is the way of research? How would you define what it is that allows you to do all that wandering around, examining, seeing things move, coming with those ideas? What do you, and you're in a research university, right? Where they do research, but it's not traditional positivist scientist research.
1: Yeah, I will, we're, we're, we're using um, indigenous methodologies.
0: That's uh, what it's yeah. in, what does that mean?
1: Traditional, traditional methods of inquiry that are grounded in, like, uh, in, in sort of ancient lore and, and particular places. Um, so we're, I don't know, so we're, we're very much centered around um, uh, the embassy, embassy protocols. Of a particular place in the Bunya Mountains, where uh, for many thousands of years, tens of thousands of years, people from lots of tribes, even from thousands of miles away, you know, have always come together every three years in this one place uh, for embassy. And um, you know, there's lots. So there's lots of language that we use. So one of the language words from there is uh, Wanju. Wanju is like um. I'll just the old word for like collective sense making, <laughs> you know, so okay. there are processes around that, uh, that we follow from our law and we basically ground everything we do in, in that law first and in those protocols and embassy protocols, and we bring all our stories together and we make sure. So basically feedback is, um, you know, where people would usually do feedback. We do we Gammon, like call it feedback loops. Um, We talk about feedback loops because the idea is that it's you're not looking at somebody and criticizing or critiquing or pushing back on them that's how that's that's that that's that singular individualistic way you know all you're doing is is helping helping the group to connect with the informatics from the system that we're working in and all of the different inputs and outputs of that system and you're trying to make sure that we keep our story together and our sense making together on that track you know, to keep uh, keep those cause and effect relations sort of regenerative and um, going around, and you know, sometimes that has to be negative feedback loops, like regulatory feedback loops. Um, but we always we always draw on the law for that. You know, we have story for those things. We have law for those things. Sometimes you just need to reference the story, and that pulls things back into place when they get off track. Um, yeah and very traditional methods of inquiry so you know time and place are key variables you know in every in every uh study in every bit of research that we do you know and usually those things are isolated or left out and that's a more reductionist scientific way of looking at things you know yeah you're looking at a substance extracted from a plant but you're not thinking about the season in which that was extracted or the place from which it was extracted or the part of the plant, even it's um, you know, yeah. So we make sure it's just always, you know, time and place are key variables and, and considered. So
0: one of the things I hear you saying, let me check this, is it's always very concrete, specific to time and place and being that's there. You're not looking for some searching for what's the average answer. Yeah. We get by looking across all, and then what we'll de- declare what the answer is. No. Is very feel, touch, know, talk about what are we all getting. We have a, uh, a I have a compadres who are part, we call it storying a place. Mm. Just revealing and speaking for things that have no words.
1: Yeah.
0: Get left out of everything else. But you have a community who does that, who have. Uh, this indirect way of working this uh, mm. forgotten what your word is. that so, uh, You said I was doing, now I can't remember. It was yeah. like, ab, ab something. Well, anyway,
1: uh, abductive,
0: abductive,
1: abductive uh, reasoning
0: so in that process, you story. you don't make up the story for the place, which is what people think of a place they call mm. place making. Place-based, like base is where I live. Making is what I impose on it. But if I am, I call it place sourcing.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you source everything you're doing from place, specific place, not generic place. Um. Yeah.
1: Beautiful. And so he is. Um. I mean. Brings to, I think your last book was Indirect Work, right? Yeah, the
0: yeah. most recent one.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the indirect it, thing is.
0: Well, quantum theory, I mean, just to jump fields completely. Just says to make a quantum leap? Yeah, make a quantum leap. Uh, I wrote my did my dissertation work on the my earliest understanding of what quantum was trying to shake loose in us and have a see. And people were things like saying things like "well, it's all connected." And I said, "No, that's that's not enough. It's not just all connected. <laughs> it's uh, all
1: connected. No, I love it.
0: <laughs> Well, it's partly <Yay>. incomplete. <laughs> and what I begin to extract, which is where indirect work comes from, is from a story that Einstein told his students at Princeton. That I got to be the recipient of because I sat in the classroom at Berkeley with one of his students who heard this story. And it was Einstein saying, you know, we view the world through the lens of a pool table and a pool game. And we think we're cue sticks. And our job is to figure out who and what needs to be moved and which pocket it ought to go in. And what we don't understand is that there's no such thing as being able to determine all that, it's all moving. And even at a visual level, it doesn't go where you think you can make it go. And yet we try and run the universe and our role in it as a He said, I suggest that it's really in a quantum way of seeing a matrix and the way that something is born and carried. So say a mammal in the uterus of a, a a mother of some sort, and we can't control what happens to that baby, that embryo went on. We can help create the the womb, the matrix, and support it so that it can choose what it wants. So the baby actually takes from the matrix. The matrix doesn't give. And he used, and this is a man who, you know, obviously never bore children himself, but he understood and I, I have come to see the world as it's all indirect. And if what we do is try and work on the child in the moment to correct their behavior or teach them something, we're missing the point that the whole thing is about a child in, in themselves, reading and taking what they need for the work that's coming through them or toward them or something. It's not going in like a cue stick uh and that this is the way we need to see the world and i talk about this a lot and what it means to see indirectly and to know that you're not the acoustic um i don't know whether that translates hmm.
1: no so absolutely title. yeah that's beautiful it's just But well, it well.
0: my story i love retelling it
1: <laughs> yeah 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 it's, it's just all these sort of I don't know, these these fields of probabilities of where a thing might be at any moment. Yeah. Um, those things have shape. Um, you know, it is important to be able to see that. You, I mean, it's like uh, you look at... Um, okay, so if you're trying to figure out what your probable life expectancy is, you're going to want to look at the median figure, not the main figure. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, if you're looking at the mean figure and you're living in like medieval Europe, then it's like, you, you know, you're going to want to get everything you know, um, <laughs> done before you're 20. <laughs> right. But if you're looking at the median figure, it's like, well, you can expect a very long and beautiful life into a really healthy and robust old age. Uh, you know, where you're pretty yeah. much um, as fit as that ice man. Hey, that Iceman. I love that one. The you know, last man they found up in the Alps. Great. You know, he's like 5,000 years old. Anyway, yeah, and he's an old dude who had Lyme disease and uh, just horrendous arsenic poisoning from the forge that he was working. Um, But, you know, still in in, in such a state of robust health as to be able to run up a mountain. <laughs> while making arrows on the move (laughs) to try and shoot back at the people who was chasing him. Um, You know, that's a pretty feisty old dude, you know? So, I mean, I would say, yeah, um, pretty good. Anyway. um, Yeah. There's lots of different ways to look at things. It's good to look at things from every way, but you know, if you, I don't know, focused on them more, there's a lot of ways we're encouraged to look at things that lead us to fascism or the acceptance of fascism. Yeah. The acceptance of control, coercion. Um, yeah, ignorance.
0: You've given me tons um, of new um, ways to come at that subject, which yeah. for my new book, uh, I'm I showed with a man named Thomas Kuhn, who wrote the structure of the scientific revolution. You probably ran across that somewhere Mm. in your life, paradigm shift. Yeah. Uh, What he said in our classroom, and, you know, he didn't know me from a holding ground. I was a 20, almost 21-year-old kid. But he changed my life because I had grown up in a very conservative religious environment in Texas. And I'd left, right, and gone to California, Berkeley, free speech movement, war in Vietnam, Vietnam. And I suddenly realized that truth was not permanent. It was not even maybe understandable in even one life. Mm. But my work became trying to give people ways that had method in them in some sense that they could check where they were Mm. and the communities could and and corporations could. What what paradigm were we in? And it's not is it's not static you don't mm. you don't work in that suddenly you're in the good paradigm i call mm. this the good, good paradigm right you can't get there and be there mm. permanently tomorrow you'll be in the extract value paradigm mm. Mm. Uh, and then we have a lot of folks right now who are working on a resting disorder uh because we got so and they don't have a thought about it what you were describing earlier so is the way the system works, they find the problem and try and stem the bleeding. Mm. And, so, and then regenerative is where you can see a whole working and adding value in, and evolving capacity for others to take what they need from the system and give mm. to it. Mm. And that's my way of working what you're just talking about perspective we have to have a way you can't just say look at it from somebody's point of view it ends up being an individual or an ideologue Mm -hmm. so i played a lot with trying to give people way to be able to switch a different window that they're looking through Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's what people experience when they hear you read your book they don't know what you're doing for sure they know it's goddamn well different than what they're doing.
1: I don't know what you know.
0: Yeah. But I think it's an important thing that you're doing and that you're reaching mainstream conversations. Um, I don't know. I think it's it's uh, funny,
1: but people people project themselves into my work, you know, so much. And I think it's just because I invite that relationality between us two, you know. Yeah and so you know i mean I, I have i have fascists reading my work and thinking that I, know, I
0: do too i understand that I thinking think oh
1: here's like someone who's finally sympathetic to right, right. now <laughs> it's full on you know it, it's uh, everybody thinks i'm on their side and it's weird well, because um, our, our,
0: you know, you know like a, you as know. an
1: individual as an individual yeah. if i take the political compass test you know i'm pretty much a a narco-communist, like I'm, yeah. I'm right down no,
0: the you're very bottom, radical. bottom left,
1: left square. And weirdly, it's like, um no, that's the only community that doesn't actually connect with me. All, all the others <laughs> seem to think I'm in there, in their thing, which is really cool. Um yeah. and I think that's how you know you're successful. It's, it's how many friends you. Can... Yeah,
0: you just muted yourself.
1: Yeah, it's making it's making friends in. Um, yeah, in strange places, you know. You, you, yeah, we've been talking a lot in the lab lately about unlikely connections. And yeah, how important that is for that abductive logic to be able yeah. To, yeah. to be able to occur. Yeah, oh, Ani, it looks like we. I mean, we're pretty much out of time.
0: Yeah, we are. Thank I, you.
1: I, I have to go and do a uh, in a minute. I've got to do one of those events. where you know, we have to do a keynote, and you haven't prepared for it. And, oh yeah, I you've got to just sort of time. do it off the top of your head. Yeah, sometimes it's sometimes it works really well that way sometimes it doesn't
0: yarning can be done in many settings including a keynote
1: it certainly can put it in it 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 requires you to be vaguely switched on but thanks for um yeah thanks for stirring up stirring up my gray matter
0: and mine i'm gonna go try and understand that's embassy protocol i don't know how but i'm desperate to immerse myself in that if you End up oh, having a thought about how I can do that. Let me know. Yeah,
1: yeah. well, when we, uh, yeah, we're, we're writing things up. We do. We've got a a piece we're putting together for the uh, systems systems management journal as well. For that, that should that should be out in a few months. Okay. Um, so I'll make sure we flick you one of those. It was so good to meet you. It's
0: lovely. To <laughs> meet you meet were so not right.
1: what I was expecting. I was just I, sort
0: of, I'm glad.
1: I was kind of just thinking, oh man, you know, because. I, look, you know, you, 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 the pictures that are there for you are like PR pictures from before, right? And you know, I, I just thought you were going to be all like, uh, you know, like relentlessly kind of organized and stuff like that. And, I <laughs> and live like,
0: in a random? i say I snap, live snap. randomly.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it yeah. it was great. Like I knew it was going to be good. that the minute you popped up on the Zoom and I saw your beautiful <laughs> face, I just went, Ah, oh, yeah, here we go. This is going to be Great. lovely.
0: Well, I'm sending you a virtual hug.
1: Hey. You're both leaning right in now. Hey.
0: Yeah.
1: That's really good to meet you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful.